Amen. Thank you, worship team. Appropriate song for us to meditate on as we prepare to hear from God's Word. Please turn in your copy of your scriptures to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews is found there near the end of your Bibles. Just briefly, I want to tell you where we've been, where we're going, and where we'll be in a few weeks. We just finished last week a sermon series on the Psalms of Ascent. 15 Psalms found in the Psalter, Psalms 120 through 134. They were very devotional, very encouraging to help us walk with the Lord. And starting this morning over the next three weeks, we're going to have a little mini-series here on biblical leadership as we prepare to nominate and train and elect new officers for our church. And then after that mini-series, we'll begin a sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount. So looking forward to diving into God's Word with you. And this morning we are going to look at two sections here from Hebrews 13. Going to read verses 7 and 17 through 19. This is God's holy, authoritative, inerrant word to us. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Now to verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience, desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you the more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you the sooner. Let's pray. Father, we pray this morning that your word would speak to us. The word of truth, the word of life, open our eyes that we may see, open our ears that we may hear, and by your spirit, would you apply the truth to our hearts and lives. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, as I just told you, we're doing a little mini-series here on biblical leadership as we prepare for nominating, training, and electing new officers for our church And a few weeks back, I wrote to you explaining a little bit about this process in the pastor's corner on our church newsletter. So if you're not reading the church newsletter, you're missing out. (laughs) Let me encourage you to do that. Uh, Your officers are trying to let you know important information so that you can be praying for your church and know what's going on. On August 10th, as we wrap up this sermon series, we will open up the nomination Process. So if you're a member of Cornerstone Presbyterian Church and you have seen the Lord work in and through the life of a particular man or men in our congregation, you will have the opportunity to nominate them for church office. And I'm going to ask you that you'll hold off judgment on who you think you should nominate until you've explored what the scriptures teach on this matter with us together over these next several weeks. In very short order, uh, the session will release to you some material 
that will explain this process in further detail. And so after about four weeks of, uh, of open nominations, on August 31st, they will close. And then your session will meet with the men who have been nominated to pray with them and to discuss with them about God's future calling on their lives and to discern whether or not they are ready to enter into a training process. And at the end of this training process, the elders will then reassess with these individual men, see if they're ready to serve, and upon consulting with the trainee, the session will determine which office, along with this man, they will be ready to stand for in election. And at this point, we'll let the Book of Church Order take over and explain to us how this process will go going forward. So I just wanted to get that out there to you. There's more to come, more info to come, but please be in prayer. Back to our passage. This past week, my wife and I had the opportunity to go and to visit Boston on a trip, just the two of us. And so if you notice some tired grandparents up here, that's why. (laughs) One of the places that we visited was Harvard. And so if I look smarter to you this morning because I visit Harvard, don't worry, it'll wear off in short order. (laughs) But while we were sitting in the common area, just enjoying some time together, looking around campus, a group of junior high age students came up to us and said, may we ask you some questions for a survey? My first thought was, what is this going to be about here at Harvard? But their questions were very basic, were very general. Two questions. What is leadership and how do leaders lead? Well, I'm not a very general type of guy, so I can't answer questions very generally. So I was kind of stumbling over the answers, and Laura gave some good answers. I wanted to be more specific. I wanted to say, well, what type of leadership are you talking about? Let me tell you ways that I think we should lead. But as they answered these questions, as I thought about it over the next few days, it was a very timely question (laughs) as we consider our passage this morning. This morning, not only do I want us to look at the question of what is biblical leadership, but I want us to ask a question that we rarely, if never, ask ourselves, how am I, how are you to respond to leadership according to the teaching of of Scripture? And so that is our sermon topics, responding to biblical leadership. And to explore this question, we're going to look at this from Hebrews chapter 13. The book of Hebrews, which is better named the letter to the Hebrews because it is a a pastoral letter. It's an epistle written to believers, specifically written to Hebrew believers scattered throughout the ancient world. We don't exactly know who wrote the book of Hebrews, but we have a very good guess that it has apostolic authority according to the teaching of Scripture. And the purpose of this letter to the Hebrews is given to us in the first chapter, where we are told that in these last days, God has spoken to us through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So the writer of the letter to the Hebrews is intent on making much of Jesus and to show us that he is the greater priest, that he is the best savior, 
that he is, in fact, the Messiah of God's people. And at the close of this letter to the Hebrews in chapter 13, we find many general pastoral encouragements and exhortations given to the people of the local church. And so in Hebrews chapter 13, one of the pastoral encouragements that is given has to do with biblical leadership. And that is why I've chosen for us to study those four verses that we singled out. I don't intend on singling them out, saying that the rest of that chapter is not worthy of us discussing and preaching on this morning, but the author very much has in mind the church leadership in these pastoral encouragements that we are going to study here in Hebrews 13. But there's context given for these pastoral encouragements. Look there in verse 1 of Hebrews 13. One of the shortest verses in the Bible where the writer says, Let brotherly love continue. This love that he is describing is brotherly. It's where we get the Hebrew, I mean the Greek word for love here is philos, which means where we get our word Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. This, it, this love that he is responding to, it's brotherly. We are to respond to church leadership out of the bonds that we have in Christ. In Christ, we the church, we are brothers and sisters with each other in the family of God, and we are brothers and sisters with Christ. This love, this brotherly love, it's not self-focused. It's not me-centered. It's focused on others. It's brotherly love. So what does the, the New Testament, and mainly Jesus himself, say over and over and over is to be the primary marker of the body of Christ, the local church? What do we be about? Love. Brotherly love. Love, all of those wonderful biblical descriptions for love, we are to be about love. And so we are called in Scripture to respond to biblical leadership in brotherly love. And the leader, likewise, is called to live out their calling in brotherly love. So let's explore these passages. And explore our calling to respond to leadership and the leader's call to lead. So that's going to be our paradigm of study this morning as we look at these verses. We're going to look at leadership qualities, what a biblical leader in the local church is to have, and how that matches up with our response to be biblical leadership. So leadership qualities and our response. So look with me there in verse 7. In verse 7, we have a couple of leadership qualities and biblical responses. And the first leadership quality there that leaders are to have are to speak the word of God. He says, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. A biblical leader in the local church is a teacher. One who speaks the word of God. One of the biblical premises for this is given in Ephesians chapter 4, 
where Paul tells the believers, and this specifically matters to church leaders, that we are to speak the truth in love to one another. And to speak the truth of, to love in one another is the call to leaders to apply the word of God to the hearts and lives of those whom they are leading. This does not mean that we are to choose leaders or to single out leaders who have tons of scripture memorized. You know, you, you don't necessarily get to be a leader in the church if you've got the whole Bible memorized, although that would be very helpful. <laughs> but it does mean that we need to choose leaders who love the word of God and who are seeking to apply the truths of scripture to their lives and to the lives of others. These leaders who speak the word of God, they're not just pastors. They're not just Sunday school teachers. They may be regular men who are mentoring a younger man in business. Perhaps it's an elder helping someone out with their troubled marriage. Or a deacon ministering to the physical needs of someone in the congregation or in the community. No matter what the call may be, a leader loves the word of God and speaks it and applies it. So that's the first leadership quality, to speak the word of God. And the first response that we are to have here that the writer of Hebrew gives to us in verse 7, remember your leaders. What is our response to our leaders here? We're to remember them, to keep them on your mind. How do you do that? How do you, how do you remember your leaders? Well, pray for them. We'll talk more about that here in a moment. Listen to them. Seek out their counsel. You know, your elders and deacons are here to, to serve you. And uh, although it would be a very unique spiritual gift to have, we don't have the gift of mind reading. And so if there's something that is troubling you, something that you want us to help you with, seek us out. Seek out your elders and deacons to help you. We want to serve you. Maybe you could remember them by helping them in some ministry. Hey, could I help you go visit that couple that I know needs some help? Maybe that's how you could help them, remember them. But what the writer has in mind is for those who labor in leadership, who speak God's word in the church, remember them. Remember their service. Hold them in esteem. So that's our first response that we find here in verse 7. The second leadership quality that we find in verse 7, when he says, Remember your leaders, those who spoke the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. The second leadership quality we see here is that leaders are to live a life worthy of imitating. Live a life worthy of imitating. Leaders are to be above reproach. They are to be godly. They are to be faithful. And these qualities are to be lived out in the local church. A leader is truthful. He loves the word of truth and speaks the word of truth. 
A leader lives a life that younger men and women can look up to. A leader lives a life that younger men can look up to and say, I don't want to be rich and successful like that man. I want to be godly like that man. I want to love the word, to love my family and love my church like that man. Men aspiring to leadership should live lives worthy of the younger men who are looking up to them. That is the second leadership quality, to live a life worthy of imitating. And again, our response here is given in verse 7, that we're to imitate their faith. Not to have faith in them, but imitate their faith. Consider their way of life and how they have lived and are living their lives. Maybe you know a man who has been a faithful husband or a faithful parent. Maybe the way you can imitate them is by going to them and asking them to help you. Asking them to disciple you so that you can imitate their faithfulness. This applies to younger women looking to older women as well. Oh, men and women who are faithful and godly believers in Christ. And the Bible says, imitate their faith in Christ. Your leaders are to live as worthy examples before the flock, and we're called to imitate them. Second response. If you will now look with me in verse 17, we find a third leadership quality for biblical leaders in the local church, where he says, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. This leadership quality is to keep watch over your soul. Leaders are shepherds. And we're very familiar familiar with this shepherding imagery. Leaders are to be like tending sheep. The leaders that the writer mentions in verse 17 are given an astonishing responsibility. A very heavy and weighty responsibility. They are to care for your very soul. Your leaders are called to care for your spiritual well-being. This is a very weighty task. They are uniquely gifted by the Lord to teach and to rule in the church. And they are to keep watch as a shepherd over your souls. They are, in fact, under-shepherds to the great shepherd, Jesus. So this leadership quality they're given is to keep watch over your souls as shepherds. How do we respond to the shepherd leadership of our leaders? Our third response is found in verse 17, where we are to obey and submit to church leadership. Verse 17, obey your leaders and submit to them. Let's face it, we live in a very self-centered, me-focused society, right? It's all about me, 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 me. That's the mantra that we're told to to live by. You do what's best for you, and you look out for you and you only. But as the church, as the body of Christ, 
We are told that life is not about me. Life is not about you. It's about loving God and loving others. As Jesus says, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and to love your neighbors yourself. We're to love God and love others. Therefore, a practical application of living out this great commandment according to Jesus is to obey and to submit to God-ordained authority. That's how we walk with the Lord. That's how we live out our calling before the Lord. We obey and submit to God-ordained authority. And this act of obedience and submission to church leaders, it's a true spiritual exercise. It is, in fact, an act of worship. In other words, you must be spiritually minded. We have to be spiritually discerning to understand our calling to submit to biblical leadership, to understand the authority that God has placed over you. So when the Bible speaks of submission, and that's a word that we kind of cringe at, right? Kind of sounds oppressive, but when the Bible speaks of submission, whether it be to the government, whether it be to your spouse, children, whether it be to your parents, Our submission is always done unto the Lord. We honor and we worship the Lord by submitting to those whom he has placed in authority over us. It is an act of worship. So when verse 17 speaks of obeying church leaders, it means to receive their teaching, to receive the spiritual direction that they are giving you. Also in verse 17, when it speaks of submitting to church leadership, it means to yield to the proper authority that God has established over you for your good. Submission to church leadership is important because the authority that is given to church leaders is given by Christ. We find in Ephesians 4, when the spiritual gift of leadership is given to his church, It's important to understand that the authority that church leadership has over you, it's not civil. It's not judicial. It does not take the same role as perhaps the local church government or state government or federal government. The leadership that God has given the local church over you is moral and spiritual federal government is not going to come to you and say, you are not loving your wife very well. But hopefully your local church is going to come to you and help you love your wife, love your spouse, love your children well. That's the moral and spiritual authority they have. They have the care of your soul. And they're given this responsibility by the power of the Holy Spirit. Perhaps the best way we could apply this obedience and submission is to remember our vows. Something we don't talk about very much in church, but oaths and vows that are taken in Scripture are very serious. And they have meaning and they have authority over us when we take them in the local church. And if you're a member of Cornerstone, or if you're a member of another PCA church, then you made certain vows for membership. 
And let me just remind you the fifth vow that you took for membership, and it's important for us to recall this. The question given was, do you submit yourselves to the government and discipline of the church and promise to study its peace and purity? And if you nodded or said yes, you took a vow before the church. So submitting yourself to the government of the church is submitting yourself to the elders, to the session, to the spiritual shepherds of the local church. Some weeks back when we had, when we welcomed new members into our church, I reminded them as you take these vows to remember that these vows that you were taking this morning before the local church, they are just as important, if not more, than your wedding vows. Most of us don't think like that. We think, yeah, our wedding vows are important, they're meaningful, we need to hold them. But so are your church membership vows. Do you see them just as important? I did not grow up Presbyterian. I had no idea what Presbyterians were. Uh, I, I thought they were a cult for a while. Now I'm one of the leaders in the cult, I guess. I didn't understand church leadership. Elders, are those like the older people? Kind of like 65 and older and you get to be an elder? I didn't understand. But as I grew to understand, as I grew to see elders, when I was a college student, actually come into my life and help shepherd me and and guide me and, and pray for me and encourage me, when I understood what their roles were, I became very thankful to, to God for this God-ordained blessing that he gives to us. For me to understand it is a blessing to put my life under the leadership of a local church and the elders. And even now that I'm a pastor, no, I'm not under your, <laughs> your elders. You know, I'm not submissive to them, but I have a presbytery of elders that I am to be submissive to, that I am to obey, that are there to guide and shepherd me. And I don't see this as oppressive. It is a, it is a blessing. It is for our spiritual good. It is for your spiritual good to put your life under the leadership of a local church session. And we must remember that leaders are called to shepherd your soul because they are held to a greater standard in Scripture that we'll look at here shortly. And you, you can obey and submit willingly with joy, knowing that it is the Lord's will. It is his design for the local church, for your good. The fourth leadership quality we see in verse 17 is that leaders are to lead with a burden. Leaders are to lead with a burden. He says, as those who have to give an account. You know, as your pastor, it scares me to death that I have to be the chief leader of Cornerstone. I I don't feel worthy most of the time. But even more so, it scares me to death that as a husband and as a father, I am burdened to lead this great responsibility before Almighty God. I will have to give an account for my leadership. But this is a calling for all leaders. 
parents, husbands, elders, deacons, leaders lead with the realization that before Almighty God, they will have to give an account for the leadership that they have taken in the local church. And we see that time and time again in Scripture where God held a high standard to his prophets, to his apostles, to his leaders. Leaders are the lead with a burden. But again, we see a fourth response here in verse 17, that we are to respond to church leadership with joy, not groaning. We respond to leadership with joy, with happiness, not groaning. Richard Phillips, PCA pastor, says, without a doubt, the single greatest discouragement any pastor faces in a congregation is a congregation that will not believe what he is teaching from the Word of God. And I'll have to just share with you my experience as a, as a pastor. The thing that has made me the most tired, the, thing, the times when I feel the most burned out, are not because I'm working long hours. And it's not all the demands of ministry. It's hard-hearted people. It's folks who don't listen. It's folks who don't come to me or to the session for counsel. And they don't come to us for help and they don't want our instruction. It's hard. I don't want you to come to me when your marriage is in trouble. I want you to come to me when you need a (laughs) tune-up. Brothers and sisters, the, the greatest gift that you can give to one of your leaders here at Cornerstone is to listen to them, is to follow their counsel, listen to the instruction that they give you from God's Word and obey it, and do this with joy, because it is God's ordained blessing for your life, that you can listen and obey and submit to your leaderships with joy, not with groaning, not complaining, not apathetic with joy because it's for your good listening and responding to leadership with joy is for your blessing help us to believe it Lord last in verse 18 we see one more leadership quality and one more response this last leadership quality we see here in verse 18 The writer says, pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience, desiring to act honorably in all things. This last leadership quality is to act honorably. We will study next week, 1 Timothy, the qualifications for church office with regards to an elder. And as we study this passage, we'll see that to be qualified to be a leader, to be an elder, to be in church office is not about money. It's not about stature in the community. It's not about age. But strong faith in Christ. Leaders act honorably. They live as an example that shows a love for Christ and a love for others. A leader is honorable, truthful, just, in his actions. 
An example we read this morning from Psalm 15. So how do we respond to this? The last response we see in verse 18, he says, pray for us. Pray for your leaders. That is how you can respond to biblical leadership. We are urged in verse 19 to do this earnestly. I urge you the more earnestly to do this in order that I may restore to you sooner with great burden and with great purpose. Pray for your leaders. Even the most godly men that we can think of cannot live up to these standards that, we, that Scripture sets. Apart from the grace of God, these leadership qualities can never be met. And that is why the writer of Hebrews says in verse 18, pray for us, please. We are but weak and frail men, pray for us. Richard Phillips again says, if obedience is our duty to Christian leaders, Surely prayer is the greatest ministry anyone can offer for a pastor or an elder or a deacon. Brothers and sisters, pray for your leaders. Pray earnestly, pray daily, pray often. We are but frail men. We are weak in the flesh, just like you. And in a day and age where the Moral and spiritual failure of church leaders is all too common. I beg you to intercede before the Lord and pray for your leaders. Pray that God would protect His church. Pray that God would place a hedge of protection upon the elders and deacons and pastors and Sunday school teachers and all of our leaders so that the body of Christ may be built up. It's important to remember your leaders are mere men. Pray for them. Pray for their ministry. Pray for their decisions. Pray for their families. Pray for their wives. This is the greatest way that you can respond to biblical leadership. Take your bulletin home and look there at the bottom of the announcements and you'll see your elders and deacons listed. Please, we ask, we beg, pray. And pray as we move into, again, this nomination process that God would raise up more leaders. Leadership is tough. It is a heavy burden. But it's not a burden that leaders have to carry alone because of the great and wonderful promises given from Scripture. Listen to just a few. 1 Thessalonians Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. 1 Peter, and after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. And then that great promise given to Joshua. Have I not commanded you, the Lord says? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. And do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Brothers and sisters, consider your leaders. Pray for them. 
And even more so, consider your call to respond to biblical leadership that the Lord Jesus Christ has put in your life for your spiritual well-being, for your good. May the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit be with us as we enter into a new season of ministry, asking the triune God to raise up more leaders for Cornerstone Presbyterian Church. Let's pray. Father, we ask that not only would we have a discerning mind and a discerning spirit to, to nominate and to elect leaders in our church, but Lord, give us a discerning spirit to see our response, our call in Scripture to respond to the leaders you have placed over us. Father, we thank you that you have done this for our good. Father, thank you that you have called and you have equipped elders and deacons here at Cornerstone to serve and to love and to minister. Lord, would you continue to strengthen, establish, and equip them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.